Section two of Diary of a Suicide by Wallace E. Baker. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section two. Havana, Sunday, March twenty fourth, nineteen twelve. Another beginning today, and I hope a good one. The unfinished story of the sixteenth, Saturday, which I failed to relate last Sunday, was the burial of the Maine. Deciding at the last moment to witness this, I boarded the Purisma Concepcion at about one o'clock. After a short time, while looking overboard at the struggling crowds, a lot of rope and tackle came down on me from overhead, and took half of the day's pleasure away in the shape of my glasses. Thereafter I witnessed all the events with my one remaining lens held over one eye and tied to a handkerchief covering the other and tied behind my ear. It was a miserable subterfuge, and, to add to it all, I had a beautiful headache, cold, and the fear of glass in my eye, for one lens was smashed right over my eye. However, a day's strain was all that happened, and when it was all over I voted that the day's pleasure was worth it. The sea was very rough, and many people were seasick, but I enjoyed it very much. About five o'clock we were all lined up, the United States naval vessels, North Carolina and Birmingham, the main in between, and beyond, on the side opposite us, the diminutive Cuban navy. The seacocks were opened, and we all looked with intense interest, I straining my one eye with everything forgotten. For twenty minutes the main did not seem to be filling very rapidly. At five-twenty, however, the sinking was noticeable. Then as we stared she settled deeper and deeper, the stern where the bulkhead was sinking first. Then, suddenly, she turned, the stern went under, the forward was up in the air at an angle of forty-five degrees or more. It was a thrilling sight. Then, with gathering momentum, she went down. At five-twenty-seven the waters of the gulf covered the last vestiges of one of the greatest tragedies of history. It was a grand sight. Nature herself seemed in mourning, for the day, bright and clear in the forenoon and early afternoon, had gradually become darker and she disappeared with the sky overcast and a solemn hush over everything. I know this was the way it impressed me, and all my petty troubles were forgotten in the grand scene before me. In an endeavour to discover my feelings of a day, from the tenth to the fifteenth, I kept a short record by way of finding out how much I could count on myself in my struggle, and the result showed me that I lack exercise, am too nervous and overstrung to put forth my best efforts, all of which confirms the wisdom of my decision to return home to find myself after a rest. Sunday, March 10. Fair in morning, depressed later. Monday, March 11. Fine until middle of afternoon, then tired and nervously depressed. Night, cheerful again. Bedtime, terribly nervous, depressed, wakeful, worried and despairing. Tuesday, March 12 tired from previous night's depths of gloom. Calm later, fair night. Wednesday, March 13. Calm and enthusiastic. Tired, but not depressed. Later, restless in bed. Thursday, March 14. Quiet and calm, exhausted from previous flurries. Later, storm again, very bad, and depths of morbid despair. Friday, March 15. Ambitious and determined, fine all day restless night. The above pretty well represents my struggle for a long time, but through it all I have had a confidence in the final triumph, 
and a constant return to my ideals and ambition, and I am noticing a gradual elimination of some weaknesses. The blue moods I am beginning to check before going too far, and the ecstasy I am also holding in an endeavour to preserve a calm, ceaselessly persistent demeanour, neither too hot nor too cold. Today I hope to be a model one, one of steady work, writing, studying, arranging papers, no time for self-consciousness, worrying or anything else. So far, from 6.25 to 8.25, it has been ideal. March 24, 1912, 9.53 p.m. After another despicable fall following on a good and bad day, I am almost desperate and realize that the fight for life must come to a head soon. I wrote the preceding from 7.35 to 8.25 this morning. Following that, I started in on my scraps, and about eleven o'clock my plan for a hard day's work came to naught, because of a disturbed mind, due, as I know, to too much of one thing. I simply have not the capacity to stick to one thing very long, although the things I like are always fresh after diversion. Going out for a change, some of the boys asked me to cross the river for a good walk. I consented, and after dinner, almuerzo or breakfast here, we took bumboat to landing near Moro, walked to Kojimar, across country, along shore and on roads, and thence to Regla. The hot sun and dusty roads tired me, and to-night, tired and wearied, I fell. Too much is killing for me. I must hold off, and simply cannot stand any day too much of anything. There simply has got to be a readjustment, or I shall go crazy or become desperate. Below all this I feel the fight welling up in me, however, and to-morrow must hold forth better promise. Havana, Tuesday, April 9, 1912 12.30 a.m. Somebody has said, War is hell. I say, Life is hell, with a capital H. God, but I would not have believed it possible a few years ago that a man could go through such prolonged mental agony. Am I a degenerate? Is there some insidious form of insanity slowly creeping over me? Gautier has said that nothing is beyond words. I deny this. I could be as eloquent as ever man was have as fine a command of language, be as fluent, brilliant as the best of the masters, but I could not describe the agony of the past few weeks. It is not alone the nervousness, loneliness, and the old tired feeling, the sudden bursts of enthusiasm, followed by strange periods of peculiar calmness, now peaceful, now raging, now with an unholy joy in I know not what. Then black despair, seemingly without cause, it is more than this, self-consciousness to an extreme, fight it as I will, and yet a deep absorption in anything which really interests me so that I lose my identity in it. Thus my deep love for the theatre, even moving picture dramas, for the strong stories of love, passion, and mental states of the French writers, little as I have read of them. If I could always find something to interest me, the solution might be at hand but with the same dreary prospect of day after day, of hell, 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 the other word for business to an artistic temperament. How can I get a night's rest? I lie awake and go through all the hot passions, wild enthusiasms, ecstatic feelings, morbid thoughts, wrath at the existing order of things, 
I damn everything, and yet I realize how futile my scheme of life would be for others. Since I last wrote, I had started afresh. I have three times lost control over myself, and but an hour ago, the last time. It is terrible. With such noble thoughts that come upon me sometimes, such beautiful ideas when I feel in tune with everything in the world, and then always the hellish reaction. Oh, God, what a sorry mess you have made of things! How could you do it? You have made a terrible mistake, to make me such a shattered wreck before I was out of my youth, to take from me everything, strip me naked, so that I can say now that I am absolutely indifferent to everything except to express myself before I die. That idea has taken possession of me. If only I can write such a book as will express all these mad imaginings, hopeless longings, the void in my life, complete absence of feminine companionship, doubly trying to one of my hot passionate moods. Harlots disgust me increasingly. It is not morality, for I have come to the state where things are not moral and immoral, they are just so. I would not consider it immoral to-night, for instance, to have intercourse with a girl who pleased me but I cannot sacrifice what I have in me on the couch of one who sells her passion. I want love, if I understand it aright, and yet this is not an ever-consuming passion. I had just as much or nearly so much longing for education up till lately, and have only dropped the idea of going to college because I feel the approach of dissolution unless I can get up north, rouse my physical self and mayhap feel for once physically fit. Lately I have realized that there is something deeper than I before realized in all these things. My brain is overtired, fagged out, wearied with too much thought, worry, reading, hate, fear, I know not what. But a change must come soon. It cannot go on. Perhaps there is something organically wrong with me. God, if you exist, you should have given me some manly vigor commensurate with the mental strength I imagine I have and after all is my mind weak or has my poor weak body and abuse merely dragged it down and is it capable of resurrection it seems impossible that i should be born to get so near to some things which touch the deepest strings of human conduct the deepest emotions of heart and brain to have such a keen sense of humour to see the tragedy underlying it all to feel a sympathetic note with the foibles and weaknesses of others even as I laugh at them, or become cynical about them, to walk by the sea and drink in her varying moods, the misty ethereal early mornings, the calmness of gradually settling twilight on a day when the waves scarcely ripple, the blood-red sunsets with ever-changing cloud effects, the deep mysterious shadows on a dark night, with the moon reflected from behind the clouds, the night when the moon is in her glory, the day when an overcast sky symbolizes my overcast soul. These and more have I thrilled with, and all for naught. Give me but strength for a few more years, and I will vindicate myself. But I must break away from this agony soon, overpowering, overwhelming. Why, O oh God! End of section 2